Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church located in Katy, Texas. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing that faith with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message. God bless your week. The church victorious shall be the church at rest. Hold fast to that truth with all you've got by God's grace through faith. Tom Brady in football, Michael Jordan in basketball, Babe Ruth for hitting, Nolan Ryan for pitching, Wayne Gretzky in hockey, Elton John, male singer, the Beatles, rock group. For now, Madonna, female singer, although I think Taylor Swift might have something to say about it before it's all said and done. Have you guessed what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And that's just a handful of categories. There's so many others. Who is the greatest of all time in this particular thing or ability? I'll bet no one has ever called you the GOAT, and that's okay. What would it take to be the GOAT of faith? It might surprise you what it takes. Only two times in all of the Bible did Jesus say, wow, that person has great faith. And today in the scriptures, we get to unpack one of those times. As we are getting started on that, I think it's helpful to define what is faith. The Bible says faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Martin Luther has probably a thousand quotes on faith. Here's one of them that I really liked. Faith is and must be a steadfastness of the heart. It does not waver, wobble, shake, tremble, or doubt, but stands firm and is sure of its case, for it knows that God's word cannot lie. There you have it. What God says in the Bible, the simple, straightforward, plain and clear meaning of the Bible, God does not and cannot lie. That's where we put our faith. And we ask God to give us great faith in his word. As we're learning about this lady today, who Jesus said, wow, you are the goat of faith. Here's what had happened before they met her. Jesus was teaching to the hometown crowd. And he was sharply rebuking the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who everybody would have thought had great faith, and instead they had no faith. Jesus was rebuking them for making up rules about God and then insisting that everybody follows them. One of the things that Jesus had just said was, people don't become unclean because they didn't wash their hands before a meal. Rather, what makes a person unclean is what comes out of their heart. Greed, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, evil thoughts, Things like that. 
the disciples kind of pulled Jesus aside after he had rebuked those religious leaders and said, hey, Jesus, did you know that they were offended by that? And then Jesus rebuked his disciples. He doubled down on it. He said, are you so dull? Can you believe Jesus said that to his disciples? He did in love. And then he said, you need to grow a lot in what is and is not right and true. They left that hometown area and went to a different country, the region of Tyre and Sidon, the place where Canaanites lived 1,400 years before Jesus was around on earth. The Canaanite peoples inhabited the land, and these are the ones that the Lord had said, get those people out of here, kill them all, so they don't influence you with their godlessness and their reckless immorality. Well, some of those folks had been living in this other place by Tyre and Sidon for over a thousand years. And as Jesus and his disciples go up there, knowing the Pharisees would never follow them there because they thought all those people were unclean, wrongly, that's when they met a desperate lonely woman. Here's what happened. Verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. This Gentile, Canaanite woman with ancestry that no one would be proud of, came shrieking to Jesus, screaming, Lord, son of David, she said. She used his Jewish royal title as though she had access to that even though she was not Jewish or royal. Mercy me now is what she was saying to Jesus. She certainly had heard something about him being compassionate, something about him being powerful, something about him having willingness to leave no one behind to help absolutely everyone with anything. And she sprinted to Jesus shrieking, Mercy me! Jesus, at first, did the very opposite of what you th would have thought maybe he would do. The one who never turned anyone away certainly seemed like he was turning this lady away. Look at verse 23. Isn't it shocking? Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. I am sure the disciples had a condescending tone of voice. And I am sure they said it loud enough for that lady to hear them. And then how would Jesus respond to them? These men that he had just rebuked for their weak faith and not paying attention to truth. He said, seemingly agreeing with them and giving the woman a further cold shoulder, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And the strong implication, of course, was, lady, you're not one of those. Isn't this something that this woman had a problem 
that she believed God's word, and then it sure seemed like God was not listening at all, even doing the opposite. How would she respond? Would she quit? Give up? Go home and melt down in tears because God isn't who she thought he was? Verse 25, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And the word in the original language of the Bible, Greek, translated knelt, is the same word for worshipped. This lady went to church, kneeling right there before Jesus, stopping him in his tracks. Have you ever had a kitten at your house or a puppy? We have a kitten right now, and that's why I thought of it. We cannot walk anywhere when the kitten's around and interested in socializing without tripping over it. And so you've got to move the kitten behind a door and close the door so that you can walk around without worrying about hurting the the kitten or hurting your own leg or knee, tripping and falling. This lady was like that kitten to Jesus. She would not let him move one more inch. She worshipped and knelt right in front of him, stopped him in his tracks. Lord, help me! Jesus still did not seem like he was going to help her. He replied in verse 26, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, I know that all of you, including me, would never call a woman a dog and think that was a compliment. Not so here. It really isn't. Jesus is trying to say, it's not right to take what belongs to those who get the bread first, the Israelites, and then also give it to those who are still a part of the family, still cherished, but not getting the bread from the table. And yet this woman, still undeterred, with faith, holding fast to God's word that does not lie, even though it seemed like God was telling a different story right in front of her. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus, all I need is a couple crumbs, and that's plenty, and that is far better than anything else. Then, Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. You are the goat of faith. You have mega faith. The least likely candidate. You would have thought it would have been the disciples or those hometown religious leaders or at least someone in the hometown. But no, it was this lady off the beaten track who had such a lonely, depressing life. Her daughter was suffering from demon possession Badly, terribly, big time. And she's the one with mega faith. Jesus said to her, your request is granted and her daughter was healed at that moment. Faith is and must be a steadfastness of the heart. It does not waver, wobble, shake, tremble, or doubt, but stands firm and is sure of its case, for it knows that God's word cannot lie. There's that Luther quote about faith again. This woman, if she trusted her eyes and ears, what would she have concluded? I thought Jesus would help, but he actually isn't. It's like a drought and there's storm clouds 
but then it doesn't rain right when you get your hopes up. And then the leaders he's personally training. Did you hear their condescending tone? The last thing they want is to help someone like me. They kicked me to the curb. They tossed me in the gutter. They treated me lower than dirt. If she had no faith and only sized things up based on what she saw with Jesus and his disciples or what she heard them say, that's where she would have ended up. But instead, what she saw and heard were God's promises from the Word. Promises like, His compassions never fail. His mercy is new every morning. Promises like, The Lord desires a house of prayer for all nations. Zero people excluded. Promises like, The Lord is all-powerful and interested in helping people just like you, no matter who you are. Promises like, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. The woman held fast to all of that and knew that was true. It will never change. Spoiler, perish. God's Word does not lie. And so she held fast to that even though what at first seemed to be the opposite message from Jesus and his disciples was staring her right in the face. What about your faith life? What about my faith life? It's good time for self-reflection, and I think it's easy to come with plenty of ways why we fall short of where that woman was on this particular day. So many times... You think about a Bible verse and it's helpful and good, but then something happens that surprises you. Something happens that's terrible. You hear about something that might happen to make it all even worse. And are you holding fast to a scripture? Or is that something you get to later on when you get around to it, if you get around to it when you calm down, if at all? Doubt drives too often. In our sinful hearts, we set aside God's eternal word that doesn't change or lie and instead import our own version of it, driven by our own feelings and mind and emotions, which, by the way, is always wrong. If your feelings are different than what God says in his word, you're the wrong one, not him. Too quickly we melt down. We crumble into a ball. We don't know what to do and then gulp. We even blame God for the problem as though it's somehow God's fault that we aren't trusting Him above all things instead of our own sinful faults. Prayer life dries up and withers because plan A didn't happen immediately as though our timing's better than God's timing, as though somehow we know more than He knows. I don't think I have to go on. You get the point. How our sinful nature washes away our faith and overrides it, stampedes it, tramples it. And it's only flickering, not brightly burning. And yet, does any of that failure to trust change God's word? Does any of that melting down in fear with our feelings driving 
make God's word non-existent. Change his promises as though now whoever means whoever except you. Or God so loved the world and that means the world except you. It doesn't change. God's word. Not even a little. If anything, it only inspires Jesus to want to bring you his unchanging word all the more. And to change your heart back to a heart of trust and peace and confidence so that you don't wobble, waver, shake, stumble, blame, be afraid, but instead you hold fast because his mercy is more. Each and every day, it always will be. Faith is and must be a steadfastness of the heart. It does not waver, wobble, shake, tremble, or doubt, but stands firm and is sure of its case, for it knows that God's word cannot lie. And that means you and I are fully forgiven today, right now, for all of our slip-ups, sinful slip-ups, lacking faith, being weak. It is strength as we respond and want to grow closer to Jesus and serve him better. It is strength to say, I don't have all the answers, but God does and I trust him. It is strength to say, I need help with my doubt and Jesus can help me and I trust him. It is strength to say, the Lord's timing is best and I'm going to keep praying to him regardless of how things go, regardless of what I see or hear in the world, and I still trust his timing is best, and I also am humble enough to know and trust he doesn't owe me an explanation. I have my heart set on things above as I trust. His word doesn't lie, and that means there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, someone just like me. His word doesn't lie. And that means that when God so loved the world, he does mean me. So that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That, that also means me. I have eternal life as a gift from Christ. We're confident to pray. Bold, confident, resilient. As we think about Christ and, and trust him above all things. You could think of this woman praying to Jesus as she kept asking him for mercy and he kept seeming like he wasn't going to help until then he did. You could think of this woman saying, never mind to what the disciples think about me because what matters right now is not them and me, but God and me. And she let that drive. You could think about this woman only having feelings of Jesus can help, that's never going to change, I am asking him instead of whatever feelings of, well, maybe not, or what about this, or, well, how come he's giving me a cold shoulder, and I have never heard him one single time give anyone else a cold shoulder. None of that at all was in her heart. She had trust in what God said, because God never lies, and that drove everything. To finish up today, I want to make up a... A made-up scenario, and you have to know this is made up entirely, okay? So please start there with me. 
But what if this were to happen sometime that one of you would say, Pastor, I need some help. Could we meet to talk about God's Word? And I responded by ghosting you, doing nothing. So you waited a day and came back and said, Hey, Pastor, I said I need some help. Can we meet to talk about God's Word? And I said, well, I only respond for the people who come to church and volunteer at least 10 hours a week and give at least X amount in the plate. And I, uh, you know, do you do that? And then a few of the church leaders might say, would you please tell her to stop bothering us? Because for crying out loud, we have better things to do and more important people to talk to. Would you respond then by saying, pastor and XYZ church leaders, God so loved the world so that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. I'm in the world. I'm part of whoever. That means me. Let's meet for help. If you would do that, that would be like this woman on this day. Hold fast to God's word. Drink it in deeply and regularly. Let God's word override any feelings, good or bad. It's never going to change. He's never going to lie. That is what great faith looks like. Amen. We know your time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you be so kind as to click to follow our show and give us a five-star rating? That's a quick and easy way to help us get the message of truth out to more people. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.